Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 432 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, and I am so thankful for Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful for the amazing Division I wrestling we had this weekend. So much to discuss with Penn State, and then Iowa, and then Trent Hydley, and all these uh, other high performers. To my right, David Dylan Duncan Bray. David, how are you? Hey, good. Glad to be here. Are you hoping that that catches on and that people will think that's your real full name? Yeah, I might have to legally change it, but uh, you know, that's a, it's a larger conversation. It's a bigger conversation, and it's worth it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was at Iowa Iowa State this weekend, but I don't want to start there because been waiting since what Friday night mm-hmm. to discuss the Arizona State Penn State duel, and. I couldn't wait, so I I just wrote an article on the plane uh, on my way to Ames, Iowa. And I, I have a lot of thoughts about it, and if you read that, thank you. And if you hadn't, I'm going to get into some of that right now because obviously Penn State losing is major, major news. It was 2015, the last time they lost. That's a long time ago. And this was not the one we had circled, highlighted, expected. We're like, okay, when can this – they're on this – epic run they haven't lost in 60 duels they're they're trying to break iowa's record and oklahoma state's record can they do it all right well here's the duels where they're going to be challenged and it'll be maybe against um iowa january 31st or we may have to look to next year when it'll be iowa again or who else and it's arizona state and i i just didn't see it coming and the weird thing about not seeing it coming and it happening is like Nothing that crazy even happened. Yeah. Right? No. The the what what happened that was unbelievable? I mean, it was so not uh really upset filled that Arizona State actually they, they got passed in the rankings. They didn't like pull some major upsets in terms of the individual matchups, right? Uh, so w- with that, you're like, "Well, how did this happen? So how was this not on our radar?" I don't one, the, the forfeited 84 is absolutely gutting. However, at the same time, Arizona State, Zahid Valencia getting a pin in that match should not have been that surprising, right? Like he's, I mean, no man thinks he's he's, he's going to be on a uh, just an absolute hodge mission. This And it looks mm-hmm. like it, right? It looked like a journeyman, even though he had the Venn slip up. And I don't think we really knew Shakur's availability, but certainly 
in our minds, we thought, hey, Shakur might not go here, right? Like, yeah. we until we see him wrestle, we're going to be like, maybe he will wrestle, maybe he won't. And if it's Zahid Valencia versus Creighton Etzel, you're going to say he's going to pin him. Well, Creighton, apparently, skin issue or something, wasn't able to wrestle. And Shakur, not yet ready, right? Remember, ACL surgery after last year, which really, for him to even be, like, training and wrestling, and that's a really quick progression right and, mm-hmm. and quick for him to heal and not them not throwing him out against the heat makes sense but so a lot of people are like well, why was he warming up why was Shakur like giving the illusion but I, th- I think it was uh just gamesmanship and a little little chess match chess move from Kale Sanderson because if you if Arizona State knew they weren't going to send someone at 84 they would put out a backup mm-hmm. at 84 to just get their hand raised and bumps the heat to 97. Then you're in trouble. So the whole Shakur illusion, warming up, whatever, that held Zahid down at 84, right? So that was a smart move, and that gave Connell a chance. Now, Connell is a, is a separate thing, but it allowed Connell to have a chance to win, whereas, you know, no one, you know, maybe at 197 would be able to beat Zahid Valencia at any, for, for any team. So I think that was a, a smart move, but at the end of it all, we're, we're left. I mean, you could say maybe well, 149 is not an upset, right? Like Maruka over, no, over Verclair, and we we kind of know Teske Verclair, and they're they're good. I think Teske's a qualifier. I don't think I don't think much else. I think it's gonna be tough. I think like a Heinzelman type of season for him, like Malik had last year. I think his best days are are yet to come. He's got the heart. You can see that he wrestles super hard. It's just that he doesn't he doesn't have you know, the, the the skills yet or whatever whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but he's not able to beat those elite guys. And then for clearance, always going to be in really, really close matches. So what was your overall thought on, on the Penn State performance there? Um, yeah, I, I think not super surprised with the Penn State performance. Um, I will say Arizona State looked like from top to bottom, like they had been circling this duel yeah. for a long time. I think this caught a lot of wrestling fans by surprise because if you look at the team rankings and you look at like we have the tab or the, the column for how many points the team is projected to score at the end of the year and Penn State and Iowa have double anybody else. Like Penn State and Iowa are both projected to score over 100 points and then third place last week was, you know, just over 50 points. And so like when you look at the strength of the whole lineup, I think – you just think, man, nobody's going to be close to Penn State or Iowa this year. And But you're right, the, the formation of these lineups and how these matchups hit, it wasn't super surprising. I will say, though, yeah, Arizona State looked really locked in. And, like, you know, for Brandon Courtney to come out and major Teske, yeah, I don't think I would have – him with that chin drop. Yeah, I don't think I would have predicted a, a result like that. No. Um, Kramer looked, like, very locked in against RBY. And then just top to bottom, I mean, all, you know, all the way down to Tanner Hall, who I think a lot of people, you know, thought – thought Kassar might might major him might kind of almost pinned him though yeah well, what if Kassar, yeah you're right yeah you're right <laughs> how crazy would that have been if Kassar had been like all right you know what? I'm just gonna double leg and pin this guy and if that had happened that had been a, an amazing walk off after that yeah after that six point move it was like okay maybe you know Hall's out of this maybe Penn State's gonna end up coming back and taking this duel but um but you know yeah Hall wrestled tough so yeah, I don't know. Nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, we were looking at the team score, the difference in the team score uh, in the rankings this morning, 
and Arizona State moved up slightly in terms of points, but because a bunch of other teams had big wins over the weekend, they fell in the rankings from fifth to eighth, which, you know, beat number one team in the country and uh, dropped three spots in the rankings, which yeah. that's just how You know, you and I had, had a solid performance against Nebraska, even though they lost. They went from third to eighth. It's just going to be like this every week. I mean, after Vegas, who knows what's going to happen because many of these teams that are in this three to ten range mm-hmm. are at Vegas. So it's going to get flipped on its head once more. But I, I think this – this duel, and I, I'm set. Our, our buddy, uh, our friend and confidant, the wrestling nomad, is at home back in Baltimore County, Maryland. And so we're not able to have a duels versus tournament debate. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this, this, this illustrates one, and I got into it a little bit in the article, but I think duels are, are great and they should always be the, the core competition for, for wrestling. Like, I love that that is like the nucle- that is how teams compete against each other for the most part. But if, if you want something that illustrates, you know, that, that, that how matchup reliant dual meets are versus a accurate measure of team strength, just look at this Penn State-Arizona State duel. Mm-hmm. And th- at a very basic level, the, the easiest way to determine the strength of a team is to take the individual wrestlers and compare them to the field, right? And then you add up those points. That is how you get an accurate representation of true team strength. Now, is a duel way more fun and a cool two-hour thing that's very, very um, marketable and consumable and a good fan experience? Yes, yes, and yes, and they're very fun. And the the fact that upsets like this can happen are why duels are great. I just don't like them for the final measuring, the final test of, of who the best team is because, I mean, just uh, – uh, yeah, I, I just like – Doing the best you can to determine who the best team is. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a real, yeah, we should have that debate. Because it comes down to like a, a sort of a difference of philosophical opinion, right? Like, what do, you, what do you want your championship to do to determine who is the best team yeah. or to be like the the most kind of engaging fan experience? And right now, the NCAA tournament kind of has the best of both worlds. I think most sports would have a hard time getting fans to pay attention for like three solid days in mm-hmm. a row. Like, you know, come and sit in the bleachers for like 36 hours or something. Um, that's a tough sell for most sports. And, and right now the NCAA tournament is pulling that off. So, um, you know, maybe we have the best of both worlds. But I do, I do think we should get into that uh, on a, another time. Yeah. I'm, no, uh, listen, I'd be – and I say that and I'm also like, man, if they figured out a way to have a full national – Duels like a sixteen-team bracketed thing over a weekend or t- or one weekend. I don't know how they would do it. I, I love that. I mean, yeah. that'd be great. I, yeah. Who's not watching that? Right. I, I'm all for it. But don't don't mess with the NCAA tournament. It's uh, it's it's the way to do it. So okay. Further Penn State thoughts. One ninety-seven. Kyle Cannell does not look like he's the third place Kyle Cannell currently. Mm-mm. And. So that's that is alarming if, if you're a Penn State fan, right? Because you, you're you're thinking, hey, we're gonna get some points here, and I, I think everyone, I, I think there was a lot of optimism with Cannell coming into the year, and I, I don't think there's necessarily full reason for for panic there either. Maybe there should be, but the the guy was inconsistent his entire career, right? And even his NCAA is like typifies his inconsistency, right? He could beat good guys, and he would lose to, um, you know. He needed a wild card out of the match to get tournament. in, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that on the one hand, but then you say, okay, well, if he can get to Penn State at that room with those coaches, could find a level of consistency there. And it, the fact, how tired he's getting so quickly. 
makes me think something else might be going on. Is he injured? And not that he was like super revered for his gas tank in the past, but for him, I mean, just that level of fatigue with with Penn State or, or any of the elite teams is pretty rare. So I, I just feel like this is not close. I mean, do you think this is close to the best version of Canal? Even throw out the NCAA's thing. No, I think this is a real departure from who he's been, and I think the beard talk is. To me, that doesn't make any sense. I don't man. think so. I, I'm like, why, why would you? One, the plan is to they, they brought in Canell for a reason. Mm-hmm. So why would you? Oh, bad November. Let's just chuck him and throw in a true freshman who just lost to to Greg Bolsek, a guy he beat the year before. So yeah. I, it's not like you've got a, a Bo Nickel waiting in the wings necessarily. You've got, I mean, so if you're if you're thinking about, I don't know, try, I feel like trying to get inside of Kale Sanderson's head is like one of the most challenging exercises in uh, in all yeah. of wrestling. Uh, but if you're looking at this lineup and thinking about it from the perspective of a coach, you've got an NCAA champion at 174. He's done it before, made yeah. the finals three times. You've got an NCAA champion at heavyweight in Kassar, um, and he with no sign of Gable. With no sign of Gable, you have um, an NCAA champion two times in 165, Vincenzo Joseph, who's going to have a tough tough field again but he's he's you know he's mm-hmm. won that he's won that weight class a couple times been in the finals all three years um you know those three guys are probably wrestling on saturday night then in addition you've got nick lee and rby who look really really good right now yeah. and so at a, at a few weight classes you the two weight classes that where you're like least certain are 125 and 149 and then i think the other three weight classes you know you are rolling the dice to a certain degree and Penn State did that, you know, last, they knew kind of they were doing that last year at 184 with Shakur. They knew he was hurt. They knew that he had a torn ACL and he was possible. It was possible for him to get huge wins like, you know, he beat Taylor Benz at Big Tens. Mm. Um, they knew that kind of thing was possible. But they also knew he might get hurt and he might he might not pan out. Right. But they weren't counting on him for the major points. So they have I feel like they have three guys this year. Bergie's a little bit hurt. We don't know how or, or his head, you know, coming off the head situation. Um, Shakur's hurt again. And then Cannell, you're waiting for that consistency. Right. I feel like if you already have all these sure things, why not roll the dice with the super high point scoring potential guys and try to give them a season that puts them in the best possible situation for March. And I think for Shakur, if he's still coming off injury, maybe it makes sense to pull him out. But for Cannell, if he has gas tank issues, maybe that's why they have him in these matches, right? Maybe they, yeah. they have him knocking that rust off still and, and kind of trying to round into form. And so I I think I think he'll be a better version of himself by March. Whether he's back to that third place version, I, I think that's going to be hard to hard to get back to. But um, but I think he'll be better by March. Yeah, I do too. And, and you know, I think – you know, they've pulled – if you look at when they've pulled guys' red shirts, I mean, it's like Mark Hall is one. You, otherwise, they've just wrestled their line – you know, Nick Soriano out the gate, RBY mm-hmm. last year out the gate. Uh, Nico Megalutis uh, was, was out the gate, their starter, as I recall. So I, I could be remembering that incorrectly, but I believe that's true. So I, I th- it would really go against kind of their – these guys they have plans, right? To to we'll call back there. Yep. Um, they have a plan. I don't have a plan, and I think that wrestling Canell makes the most sense pr- pragmatically. And this is a team that sets. Kale Sanderson will set his team up for another run. That's what he did in the 2014-15 uh, season, right? He set himself up for 
a four peat that they just had, mm-hmm. and now they're you know they're gonna put, get Beard ready and Aaron Brooks and you know there's talk about Brooks and Staraki. Do you do you bring those guys out? No. Well, first of all, Brooks is recovering from injury himself, so he's not even necessarily healthy. And then no, Shakur Rashid's gonna be back at 84. You you have to figure. I I really don't see them messing around with this lineup and I'm thinking back to the the 2012 season for Penn State's had some teams like this now that team was really really good they had David Taylor and Ed Ruth Quentin Wright etc but they had they had three champs uh five in the finals it's six AAs because Alton Alton got third and this team might not be quite that good but they they had four four weights not placed they've had seasons Mm -hmm. teams like that where they've been able to to figure it out but is there a team as good as um were they able to beat this team as good as Iowa is right now mm-hmm. is the question, right? And to me, shifting gears a little bit to to Iowa, they had a great performance against um, against Iowa State. And even the, you know, the, with Caleb Young and David Carr, I mean, geez. I mean, it's just like with these freshmen, you just know David Carr. I, Iowa knew. Everyone knows. David Carr is going to be in the mix. And, you know, if you're Caleb Young, you can definitely win that match, right? Mm-hmm. You were right there. He finishes that single in the. I think it was the first period, which I'm still surprised he didn't because he had it, had him in great position. I think he. I think he may have just rushed the finish on the edge there. Could have been a very different match. Now, that said, David Carr is a title contender. He's a finalist contender. This is something we were, we were saying for a while. Yeah. And he was why you know even though Robbie Howard yells at me, he was the freshman I was most excited to watch this year. Right? Not Shane Griffith and. I like Shane Griffith, but man, I just think Carr is just—he's electric, and at this weight class, I think he's a real difference maker. So, in the one weight where—not that it was the only weight that Iowa lost, but in a weight where Iowa lost, you're like, okay, well, we've got a really, really good guy here. And for me, as I think about this team race, it's like Iowa has more point potential, mm-hmm. right? I think that's that's factually correct because. I, I think at 25, 49 for for Penn State and, and 97, there there's limitations there. You can only go so high. Whereas, you know, there's DeSanto could be in the finals. Obviously, Spencer Lee is a favorite to score 25 points at, at NCAAs. Um, 41 is, is definitely a question mark for Iowa, and I think that would be – I would have similar prognostications as like 49 for Penn State. I'd expect like 41-type performance for – for Iowa, I, whether it's Apple or Murin, um, I don't. I just don't see major points. I don't know what the status of Max Murin is either. I have a question for for you since you were an on the ground uh, reporter this week. That's right. Um, did you see Gavin Teasdale? Was he suited up? What I was saw he Gavin. Doing? Was he in it? Was he suited up? Ready yeah, to he go? warmed up with Spencer. Yeah, uh, he he did not weigh in. Okay. He did not weigh in, but he was there, traveling team, warm-ups, the Interesting. Whole, whole nine. I know he at one point was on a registration list for Lindenwood Open, mm-hmm. and then when he wasn't, I, I wondered, like, do we see him in 33 this week? Do we Man. see do we see DeSanto at 41? So, yeah, that 41 question I feel like still lingers, and because we didn't see Teasdale wrestle anywhere, I, I and, and because there was so much to talk about with the duel itself, I feel like that, um, that was not a talking point as much this weekend, but I'm still curious. You know, I, I think – I think you leave DeSanto at – by the way, DeSanto grosses this weekend. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so that kind of throws me off a little bit. But I, I think you leave him at 33, man. I Yeah. Don't mess with it. 
41 is really good. Not that not to say it's even about the weight class, but like, why why take DeSanta? Why take one of your big chips out of their optimum weight? He's best at 133. Yeah. You don't. I I think Gavin probably needs some time, right? Mm-hmm. Now maybe their best lineup. Who knows? Gavin could go through the. To me, if if Gavin goes to Midlands and balls out and tears it up, and then maybe it's a conversation. But I, I think DeSanto at 33 makes a lot of sense. And yeah. Murin or Happel, they're going to qualify, I, I have to figure, and score some points. So I, that's the way I see it going. It can obviously change. But if I, and I, DeSanto, I think, would probably – he'd go 49 if the coaches asked him. He yeah. just seems like that kind of – that's his mindset. Yeah. But I, I think you don't mess with him – at this point, if it had been a thing, hey, we're making the decision in August. Mm-hmm. Santos going up, put that weight on, be, be big. Now, on the other hand, Nelson Brands, <laughs> Nelson Brands, he weighed. I'm pretty sure I read he weighed 176 pounds for the Chattanooga duel when he beat Matt Waddell. Sound I read the weight. same thing. And now he's uh he's up at a, a whopping 180.7. Yep. And he beats number five Sammy Colbray in. Kind of a wild match where not there were some amazing like ten second flurries were shot reattack flurry roll around thing but they just couldn't score couldn't score couldn't score and as the match goes on you feel like okay Nelson can do this and, and to me the turning point was when Nelson got away yeah it I was like oh well he's getting ridden out for two minutes here after yeah. after the initial kind of breakdown he was flat you know he's small he's a freshman you're like okay well he's really good but. There's just so much stacked against him right mm-hmm. now. I don't know if he's going to be able to get away from Colbray. And he hits this wild Gramby. That's, like, that's not the Steve Martin-approved Gramby camp. <laughs> yeah. But it got the one, which was which was what he needed. Which set up an even more confusing moment for, for me when they get to tiebreakers and Colbray lets them up. Yeah. Which I just did not expect. And Coach Dresser... I asked Coach Dresser about that, and he basically said, hey, that was that was our call, my call, and I've seen situations where that escape gets away from us, and let's, we thought we could get the takedown, mm-hmm. and we're going to go down swinging there, and, you know, we missed. So that makes sense, but I really I really felt in my heart of hearts, I'm like, Nelson's going to get ridden out here, we're going back to sudden victory. Yeah. I, I really, that, that's what I thought was going to happen. So in that first tiebreaker, it's, it's so funny, it's, it's always – Weird when you have takedowns in the tiebreaker periods. It's yeah. like, wait, this is not supposed, not supposed to happen. One supposed to get away, and one guy's supposed to get ridden out or something, or we start subtracting riding time difference. But he gets the takedown, and obviously a a, a questionable call or a call that was was ultimately challenged. Yeah, it's a fifty fifty call could have gone either way. And here's 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 what uh, the revelation I had this morning, and it, you can't officiate like this, but in my dream scenario. In matches like that where no one's getting takedowns, that that has to be two. In a in a in a back and forth in a Taylor Lujan versus I don't know some other create Ben Darms that match that's not two. At the end of at the end of regulation, you forfeit the privilege of reaction time. Is that yes. what you're saying? Okay. Yes. Actually, okay. I I don't think there should be reaction time anymore. And I think that the officials, in a way, are agreeing with me because yeah. they are just ignoring react. I mean, there's. There, you can't say in the uh, Yaya Thomas Max Thompson match that there was reaction time. There was no time, and with this one, not really either. And the, it is confusing because they make confusing rules. But there is a scenario where there are there is no reaction time in takedowns. Yeah. But it's yeah. the rear standing hand touch 
that's when there's no reaction time whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some other scenarios. But for basically every other takedown, there is reaction time, but they're not really calling it. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with it, especially in this match where no one's really scoring, right? Yeah. And so for Iowa, I mean, Cash Wilkie, I, I think, you know, he was the starter coming in this year. No one, no one was – everyone was talking about Nelson Brands, but it was just like – What's he, you know, he's, he's well, gonna be a really good guy on the bench for you. And, I, I don't even, yeah, I mean, coming into this season until like, until late in the fall, I don't think anybody was even thinking that 184 was an option. I think people were thinking, well, I guess he'll be a backup for Kim. Will it be at 65 count. or will it be at 74? I mean, he's on their roster as 165 pounder. Well, listen, if you are on full feed weighing 180, you're, you're 65. Yeah. I mean, you think that. Chinzo and and Makai Lewis and and even Marinelli probably they don't get up to 185 yeah. 180, oh, yeah. 180 anyways right at some points in not in the season probably hopefully but you know yeah. the summers or whatever so he's he is a he is probably a 65 right if optimum weight and there was no Alex Marinelli mm-hmm. that'd probably be where he goes but he's at 84 and and he look at one one thing that I think is uh that I, as I was sitting there on the mat, I forget what, there was one exchange or one, like, break where I was like, they're both tired. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, Nelson, that is, and it's almost back to the David Taylor thing we talked about. Like, it takes a while to adjust to just feeling that. It's like, Nelson Brands, I'm sure he's probably one of the guys that can wrestle the longest in the room. But you're going against a guy as big as Sammy Colbray, who probably at that time weighs 193 anyway, right? At least 190. Um... Man, that's that's tough. That's not an easy e- easy thing to do. So I think that was a little bit a little bit tiring. So Nelson gets the win, and now Iowa is scoring major points at at 184 pounds. And from yeah, a rankings perspective, he's up to sixth in the rankings. And this was one of those matches where I mean the wrestling was razor thin, right? Could have gone either way, but the result now, like we're left with, and we have to do something about. I mean. Great thing is, like we're fans and we get to just kind of sit back and watch. But if you're if you're on the Iowa coaching staff with like family ties and all this kind of stuff that people are going to be talking about, but also you've got this freshman who was given an opportunity to fill in and now has wrestled two matches, both against ranked opponents, and has looked outstanding and has won both matches. How do you pull that guy out of the lineup? You can't. You I can't. Mean, like you can't pull him out. It doesn't matter if his name is Brands or or anything else, right? Like you can't you can't pull that guy out of the lineup. And uh, so that just it it shifts. I think how we have to envision this Iowa lineup moving forward, but also I think I don't know. I mean, what does you know? What does that do to to a to a team like in the locker room when you've got you kind of been counting on getting this this upperclassman back in the lineup who's ranked in the top twelve, and now maybe he doesn't. I, it's just it's a it's a crazy situation. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I um I love it. I, I do too. I think you know. Midlands, 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 right? Like yeah. they'll probably both go. And you know, I I say you can't pull out Nelson. Well, it wouldn't surprise me at all. At, at the same time, if we saw Cash get a start at some point, mm-hmm. that, that's something we've seen before with with teams like Iowa and mm-hmm. Penn State. You know, they'll, they'll throw a guy will do well, but they'll still give another guy a shot because it's not yet decided. But to me, it's, it, you have to, at least from our perspective, a rankings perspective, whatever. For for now. Nelson Brands is a starter, and I just think that's that's such an energizing thing too for for I. I mean, you have a Brands in the lineup, and he's he's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
you know, he he is unquestionably, he has to be ranked where he's ranked, right? Number six. You beat the number five guy. You come in at number six. Colby goes to seven because Lujan, who put it on Taylor Vins. Yeah. And and to me, that just shows, I know that a lot's going to get made of that Vins-Zahid uh, match in the deed, but he lost. And I think this, this, this 84, I, I look at it and I see Nelson Brands. I'm like, man, this is, It'll be tough for him to hold the sixth spot, right? You look at Trent Hidley, Lou Dupre, Ben Darmstadt, Lou Hahn are ahead of him. Behind him, Colbray, you feel good about, but Shakur Rashid's there. Taylor Vins, Hunter Bolin, Nino Bonacorsi's back at 13, and I think he's someone we all think is super, super good. Mm-hmm. So I think six is going to be tough for Nelson to hold. As, as good as he is, I think he's going to be in that fighting for an All-American spot. To a round of 12-ish because this is a really this is a really deep weight with 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 solid guys and you know I don't know who and I think it was maybe a question someone asked who who do you have making the finals at this weight class right opposite Zahid that's a good question and, man has there ever been <laughs> there probably has been there definitely has been like we have such a big favorite and then like if you can just get on the bottom side Mitch Minotti, Josh Kendig, like you can get on a run and mm-hmm. and make the finals here. Referencing 141 at, in 2014, where we saw like the 11 and 15 seeds in the semifinal. Yeah, Th- yeah, this does feel like it could be one of those years. I mean, you look through like in the top eight in the rankings. Uh, what what three of those guys have been All Americans? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's going to be one of those years and. I, I love looking like, you know, in early weeks in the season in that like previous rank column, like just how far did these guys move up? The guy, Trent Hiley, who's second was 13th. Nelson Brands, who's sixth, was not ranked. Like not he wasn't ranked. even varsity. I mean, this is one of those weight classes I think that, that all year is going to be just guys boomeranging and coming back to each other. And, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see. But, um, man, it just feels like a weight where you you really from a team points perspective, can't count on much mm-hmm. from very many guys at this at this weight because you know it wouldn't be surprising to see somebody as as low as like Nino Bonacorsi who's 13th make a run and and yeah. you know get in the finals it's just of course it, yeah it feels like it's going to be it's going to be a bizarre year and for Iowa to have Nelson Brands I mean he's ranked 6 you got to go with him but you can't I mean if you're an Iowa fan you can't count on those no, points no way so it's it's crazy I mean if if you if you did a blind Pull and no one knew what you said. I, I feel like if you could take Shakur Rashid or Nelson Brands in March, I, I'm probably probably gonna take Shakur. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's just someone. I mean, he's beaten really good guys. He's been there. He's gonna be full sized. He's a fifth, sixth, however many at the year mm-hmm. senior. Mm-hmm. I think I think it, that would be someone. And and as we, you know, that's super pertinent as we look at this team race. And, yeah. Um. Wanna. So that's 84. 97 and heavy, Iowa looks good. I mean, Cassiope. No pin uh, against Grimmel, yeah. which I don't, I don't know. I'm not really – I don't know what I predicted. But I don't think it should be – Gannon Grimmel's pretty – he's a pretty good guy. Pretty good. I mean, yeah, Cassiope did pin him last year, but yeah. um, I don't know. It just feels different in a, in a dual meet where you focused on what one guy. What if he guy. needed the pin? I wonder what it would look like then. Yeah. I I don't know. Gremel, I think Gremel's a tough guy to get on his back. He's a big, big, uh, big son of a gun. So thinking about Iowa, 
Uh, Spencer looks, man, from his UTC match. He shot out. I mean, how did it's so he had he is so unbelievable. His first takedown, just like how easy he just like threw that underhook by and put him right on his back with the bundle. That's like that's what you you just don't do that to the seventh ranked guy. Yeah, he just made that look so so unbelievably casual and like someone uh, tweeted at me. It's like it's another Spencer Lee tech fall where the guy he beats actually kind of impresses you. It's like. Remember yeah. Patrick Glory got tech by him. I was like, you know, Glory looked pretty good, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? It's like Spencer. Spencer is just on. He's just that good that um, he makes good wrestlers look just helpless out there. He creates so much pressure on top. It this like it looks it looks horrible. Like there are times when you know you see a guy get a tech with like a just you know sneaky tilt or something. And he kind of like, but he just creates. An incredible amount of pressure, and I mean, Mackle looked like he was in like pain so much of the time. Like Spencer just looked so dominant on top. Yeah, it doesn't look fun. And they, they reference someone in the press conference is like, "You seemed a little more fired up," and Spencer kind of like chuckled, like, "I don't know." There's he's like, "There's stuff in the room or something going on or whatever." But whatever it was, man, he looked yeah. he looked like a different guy. And I think that the gravity of this match and what it means, and knowing you got a number seven guy instead of. You know, a week ago you got an unranked guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked he looked uh, he looked super super good. Um, so he's definitely a monster and gonna be scoring mega points for for the Hawks. So they look great. And the the way I I even though now for the for the rankings, Iowa now they went from down to a twenty point lead. And I feel like it's that's not exactly reality. One twenty one and a half for Iowa, one oh two for Penn State. So my mindset is like it's like just total balancing both things that happen. Like for Penn State, you lost, but I'm my expectations are haven't really dropped. Like I still think there may be the team to beat, right? Mm-hmm. And for Iowa, looks great, huge wins, but there's some spots where they're they're ranked high, like one one eighty four, where I could see them dropping whereas Penn State has more sure things. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a, an amazing team race. And I and I, I keep wanting to say all time team race, but then I remember two years ago we had the greatest team race ever yeah. between Ohio State and Penn State where two of the best teams ever happened to collide yeah. at the same year. That's super rare. But this one is just more interesting. One, just the Iowa dynamic just makes everything more interesting and cooler. Just because it's just you know the fact they have the most rabid fan base them and Penn State and you know there's there's you know say it or not you know the, the speculation with with pressure for Iowa it's like all right we gonna get back on top is or is it just gonna be Penn State from now till forevermore and this is a great opportunity they're gonna have a great opportunity next year as well and then the other thing that's great about this team race is the thing we talk about like every show is the, the third and fourth place where NC State goes from ninth to fourth. Because Trent Hidley is a beast, and in the same day, he will beat both uh, number two and number three, Luke Prey yeah. and Ben Darmstadt. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there are two. There, are, it's almost like there are two separate team races, unrelated team races <laughs> happening. They are. They are this. completely unrelated. They are. I mean, like you know, yeah. Uh, Iowa jumped 15 points, and that that and and Penn State dropped like six points, and so that put Iowa ahead of Penn State, and that's its own sort of separate thing. <laughs> but that that two through or that three through eight nine ten like that race is going to be crazy and I was thinking about that after the Arizona State Penn State duel as well because you know Arizona State has has guys that have 
very few points attributed to their name in the rankings, but they we think they could jump. Ja'Cory Teamer is one of those guys, right? Um, Kramer has a bunch of ranked wins, and he looked good against RBY. And so you just think, like, if one of those guys goes from being ranked from 10 to 20 into the top five, all of a sudden that team gets third place and takes home a trophy. Like, yeah. one guy. Like, it's, you know, it's that that slim of a margin. Um, so, yeah, it's it, really interesting. And there was so much movement in that that other team race this weekend as well, that that third through through tenth team race, um, that like was pretty, I don't know, pretty interesting from that kind of team race conversation as well. Yes, indeed. Okay, so did you did you get to watch uh, Mr. Hoagie, the Hydley, Trent Hydley, take out Dupre and Darmstadt? Yes, I man, what a the what a treat, one. man! The, the, Darmstadt and Hydley like. <laughs> Well, Darmstadt and anybody. Like, you just never know what is going to happen he in a, got, in a match like that. He got, like, blown through on a double, like, just straight, like, would have been four-point freestyle. And he just, like, kind of Dylan-esque, like, rolls him through and doesn't, doesn't even give up the takedown. Yeah. He's, he's zany. Well, I think, I mean, you know, both of those matches were extremely close contests and could have gone either way. And that, I think, accentuates, like, this this 184, who's going to make the finals conversation. Yeah. Everybody is is – one position or another away from winning and losing every time they wrestle. And mm-hmm. um, so that, I mean, Hydley looked super impressive and there's something to be said about being able to close out a match and get your hand raised that he demonstrated this weekend. But it wasn't like I watched those matches and thought Hydley will win against Darmstadt every time or mm-hmm. Hydley will win against Dupree every time. They were both very, very different kinds of matches, but but super close. Yeah, I think... I think for Trent, you know, it's something we've been kind of talking about with with him for a while, and he continues to just win and be awesome. But I think from from neutral, uh, his underhook stuff is so good. I, I it feels like he's going to need a second avenue or path to take guys down, right? And if he gets that, he's going to be really tough because he's so hard to score on. Mm-hmm. He's very competent on the mat. He was able to get away. He had some difficulty getting away from Darmstadt, I think. But he got away, didn't give up riding time against Darmstadt. He's really good on top. Dupre's really good on top. He beat him in tiebreakers, mm-hmm. right? So that, that, to me, shows a level of competence across everything, right? Yeah. So I feel like he, he can – now, is he, is he going to make the finals? I don't know. But I would. I am at a point where I'm like, I think he will make the fi- or make, make the podium, right? I think he's, he's super good. And he's got that – man, I, and I also was like – I thought Dupre looked huge compared to him. I yeah. thought, yeah. I was like, man, Trent has given up some serious size here. And I wondered about that because I thought he went, he was 74, I'm pretty sure, last year during during redshirt. Yeah, that's, so, yep, I think that's right. So he, he may not be the biggest 84-pounder, but it, he's clearly a powerhouse. He's really, really strong. And uh, he's he's just another fun, I mean, these freshmen are, are so fun this year. Carr stepping up and they're... Um, Trying to think of any other freshmen that that we should should be looking out for, but those two definitely stole the show this weekend. Yeah, and like you know, that's that that Trent Hidley weekend had a huge impact on the team race as well. NC State was ninth going into the weekend. Trent gets those two wins. Now they're up to fourth, right? And and they have other youngsters on their lineup that could do something could have a weekend like that at NCAAs yeah um so that's that's interesting I think the thing to me about Trent that was really uh worth noting or that was really impressive 
is that he did this in the same day, a day that like felt a lot like yeah, it's not a try meet. It felt like quarterfinals, semifinals at NCAA's. Like yeah, that's how you know it, it was. It was that kind of day. Like that's the kind of day he's going to have to have on Friday in March, and um, and he did, you know, and so to string those together with some adversity in between of hopping back on a bus and driving an hour and a half to from Cornell to Binghamton. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm really impressed with Hydley. I, I have a hard time now seeing him finish off the podium. I think he's just, he's so solid. Um, yeah. One other thing um, I wanted to reference Tom Brands apparently didn't like Nomad's article about the Spencer Lee point scoring breakdown. Yeah. That article was not well received. Um, I, yeah, I love that Tom Brands never holds back. He, no, uh, <laughs> especially against us. Yeah, he shouldn't. Wait. He shouldn't. No. He, yeah, bring it, bring it. It's fine. Uh, no, I, but I think I think there should be. I wish no Nomad really should be here to speak for his article, mm-hmm. and also um, accept my uh, I, my idea for a revision, perhaps because it is very lop. Yes, Spencer Lee scores a lot in the first period because. And many, so many of his matches get terminated. So what I think we need, and if you haven't heard in the post-match press conference, uh, Tom Brands, he's, he kind of, Spencer's talking, and then Tom goes, flow wrestling, and I'm not going to do my impersonation, but uh, he's like, it's got a that's an- another, another first period tech ball. He's not going to have any second or third period points, and uh, which is a good point. And so Nomad wrote an article about like the point scoring breakdown because Basically, you take someone as good as Spencer Lee, you take someone like Bo Nickel or Jason Alf or Zane Rutherford, and you try to like, okay, well, what what is interesting about this person? Or what mm-hmm. is maybe a vulnerability if there is one? With Spencer Lee, it's like, well, how does he do in the second and third periods? Because in the first period, he scores around 14 points at minimum every single time. So um, Nomad did a little breakdown, but what I think the breakdown needs is you need his full, you know, points breakdown for every period but then you need all the matches that just go regulation and look at that um the points four points against for the first Mm -hmm. second third period i think that would give a more genuine sense because otherwise you know when you have a 17 point first period and you score zero and zero in the second and third because they don't let you wrestle anymore because the match is over yeah i don't think yeah you should you should be penalized for that but it was just uh it was a article we it was it's a very old article it is (laughs) it is um it was maybe before Midlands last year, so um, they they uh, they didn't forget that one too easily. But you know what? That's that's fine. It should, it should be somebody's job, like on every team, to to go around and just find the bulletin board material, no matter how old it is. Love it. Pull it up. Put it put it in front of the right. Okay, no, impassioned people. January of 2019. So it's quite old. It's quite old. We're yeah. coming up on the one year anniversary. Maybe on the one year anniversary, we'll uh, we'll do do a revision. Um, but yeah, it's I think I think that'd be great. Just the bulletin board guy, go around, find the stuff, save it for the right moment, and uh, I don't know. It I mean the whole Iowa team just was locked in. Like what a man, what a yeah. performance! For oh, guys. it was man. I want to talk about the just the how electric. I'm kind of bouncing around a lot, but that duel was so. I mean. It was so fun. The place was so electric. It was like I've been in a couple of like super crazy atmospheres. Iowa, Oklahoma State last year was crazy. I've been in a couple of crazy Oklahoma State matches. Penn State, Ohio State was was insane the year I went to that. And um, what was another one I went to? All the 
The Penn State-Iowa duel at Carver where Mark Hall had his redshirt. So I've been in some crazy ones. This this was really up there. And to me, it was – there were different times where I was like – it was so loud for Iowa State. It was so like – it was bananas. And then there was some – I was like, man, it's a very Iowa State crowd. It's it's insane in here. And then like a, the Nelson thing would happen or the – you know, DeSanto or whatever. And it was so loud for Iowa. I was like – how is it like to say if, if I had to like do a, an approximate like what was the breakdown of Iowa State to Iowa fans? I'd probably say 70-30 for Iowa State, maybe 80-20. I don't know exactly. But, man, there were some periods of time, and I think I there were a big group of Iowa fans right behind me, so it maybe felt a little louder. But they got so loud for their guys. It was it was great. And it's just, I don't know, there's just something about the state of Iowa, man. It's just they love wrestling so much. They know so much about it. They care so much. If, if wrestling's important to you, I, I want to be around you. And mm-hmm. that's how it felt. And hats off to, you know, I, Iowa State. And Coach Dresser was pretty candid about it. Yeah, they got He said they got manhandled by a very good team. And, you know, he's, he, he's right. But I thought they I thought they they did fine. And I think their, their best days are still ahead of them. And I give a lot of credit to Coach Dresser and staff for kind of bringing that atmosphere back. It's the, it's the most attendance at Hilton since 99. Yeah. That's insane. So that's like going back. That's like Kale era. Kale as a wrestler era. Yeah. Not even Kale as a coach. So that that's really, really cool to see. I agree. And I mean, and back then, even like thinking back to that era, that was when Iowa and Iowa State were often one and two in the country yeah. or at least both top five teams. And so that was an era where like the Internet wasn't like allowing access to sort of all the programs around the country. And so a lot of Iowa – wrestling fans if you were a wrestling fan in Iowa you didn't have to look outside of the borders of the state and so I don't know it made more sense that like if you wanted to see high level wrestling you just you come to this meet this is where it happens and now you have so many more options so I feel like for a team like Iowa State that's that's like not challenging to be a top two team this year that's not necessarily a trophy team this year to still pull in a fan base like that is outstanding and I think getting you know getting 11,000 fans in the seats is is incredibly impressive but that 70 to 80 percent Iowa State fans number that you that you are kind of saying reporting is like that's the most impressive thing of all to me because I feel like there was probably in the past a way to get a lot of wrestling fans in the building mm-hmm. if you were willing to market to Hawkeye fans yeah and um and so for them to like be able to get that many people Wearing Iowa State gear show up. I mean, that is that's outstanding. So that's really good for the just health of uh, Iowa wrestling, the state of Iowa wrestling. I really love seeing that. Breaking Nomad news. I got the I got the update as well. He actually did do the breakdown for all the matches that went to regulation. It's right there in the article. It's right there. It's been there since January 22, 2019. Man, just gotta scroll down. Yeah. Apologies to the wrestling nomad. He uh he he gave the full picture. What due, else do you want from the guy? Due diligence. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. All you, you know, apparently, some people don't read the whole article. That's okay. That's news that, to me. That's a phenomenon, not not unique to anyone in the world. Okay, well, we can let that one go. So Iowa State, Iowa was amazing. You and I, Nebraska, was a, a bonanza. I didn't get to watch much of it because of um, the scheduling. You know, it was the duels overlap a little. I did watch Jacob Schwarm pin Alex Thompson. He was getting. He was losing like six two. Yeah, these near side bow and arrow cradle classic. I I think you know there are there are a few duels that you just kind of have to watch 
start to finish. And duels that happen in West Gym are often that way. Yeah. They like they just they they have a crowd that appreciates wrestling and specifically appreciates a wrestling duel and they have a team that shows up for duels whether it's the starter or the backup or whoever like everybody's there and they want to be there and uh and so yeah very often like those those duels i i mean i, I want to get in that building i would love to watch a match in the yeah. building but um let's do it but even on the stream like that those matches are incredibly fun to watch and this was one of those duels where nebraska showed up like both teams yeah wrestled really really well and uh it was yeah it was fun from from 125 through heavyweight like the whole and a lot of crazy results like this duel had um had, you know i think gave us a lot of insight into what we can expect at a couple key weights uh 174 and 184 in particular were matches that we talked about last week that we were looking forward to um and northern iowa got the better of both of those steyer over labriola in a raise with them match that came yeah. down to locked hands and then Luhan dominated Taylor Vance. That was yeah. that was a big surprise to me. That was a yeah, I and it was not so much off Luhan really gave him some difficulty with reattacks and his defense, which mm-hmm. he's got tricky defense, but it was just like the first takedown was just like a sprawl and just like head to the leg reattack. Uh you know, no turns, just a neutral domination from from Taylor Vent or from Taylor Luhan. Sorry, too many Taylors. Yeah. going on so yeah that was a that was a little surprising i i picked vince to win that match and you know luhan looked looked fantastic and you know up at 184 that's got to be um helpful for him luhan in the past has sometimes given up um given up points yes. which doesn't always matter because he scores a whole lot of points well his, um, yeah his match last week against I forget who it was. He gave up the first takedown. They hit like a standing Peterson and mm-hmm. pinned the guy or something. Mm-hmm. So it's it, like it was, I guess, surprising for me to see him just so, so in position mm-hmm. f- for an entire match against a guy in Venz who is good at getting people out of position, is good at, you know, bringing a lot of offense and scoring. So, um, I mean, I expected it to be, I expected this many points on the board, but not a major decision for, for Lujan by any means. Yeah, no no doubt. That that definitely surprised me. With at 57, I'm, I'm curious – I want Nebraska goes to Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. I really want to see what Peyton Rob does at do one fifty-seven. You know, he's he's destroying everyone, but he hasn't he hasn't wrestled a, a ranked opponent yet this year. He had a solid redshirt year. Um, he lost to basically only good guys. He lost to David Carr, uh, Keegan Shaw is the kind of one that sort of sticks out, and uh, Steve Bly. So um, he's been right there. But just needs that kind of breakthrough win to get him uh, in the rankings. He says it's an it's an opportunity thing right now. Breakthrough wins. Colin Purrington. Oh my goodness! Knocks off Max Thompson. Listen, dude, like it was it was a sudden victory match, but like Purrington looked really good out the gate. I mean, he comes out, gets the opening takedown, and um, you know Thompson made it a back and forth match. But that's a that's a big win for Colin Purrington, who I think I don't know we kind of thought before this weekend we knew who he was he was ranked 20th or something and that felt about right like he's he's been around and he uh you know he's got some experience solid guy but I didn't I didn't see a win like this coming for for Colin Perrington and, I mean, and last year last year Thompson beat him 11 to 4 yeah you know and he lost uh you know he was solid last year but he lost to Polmeyer 4-2 lost to Brayton Lee lost to Christian Olivas and now, so I mean, Nebraska got a, a massive 
bump in the in the team standings because Man. of because of that ranking and and yeah we I mean Colin Puritan's number four, Andrew Spay I don't know, Spay, I'm just yeah. saying, Spay you might have to come on here tomorrow and talk about this because th- going from twentieth to fourth, passing a, a, a even passing Thompson, passing Deegan, Perriot who has a had the big win over Brock Zachary. I don't know. I'm just not there yet. So, not yeah. There. So, I mean, so Nebraska has uh, Labriola and Venz both. Uh, well, no, uh, Lujan was already was already ranked ahead of Venz, I think. So, Labriola drops in the rankings, but Perrington, like, skyrockets. And so, Nebraska's now number three team in the country. Yep. And they're a really good team. <coughs> I like I like Nebraska this year. I think they got a lot of, a lot of dudes. So, uh, that was that duel. I don't think there's much else to – any other major results that, that happened at the Nebraska U and I duel, although looked like a fun one. And yes, you're right. We need to get to West Gym at some point, David Bray. Mm-hmm. It, it needs to happen. Oklahoma State, Minnesota also happened. Not a ton to really write home about. Bulu Allen beat Brayton Lee handily. Uh, Brayton Lee beat Colin Purinton last year, and yet Bulu Allen is looking up at Colin Purinton. The disrespect against uh, former All-American Andrew Spey. You will have to answer for your sins at some point. Mm-hmm. Travis Whitlake wins again. Um, Nick pitching any three two over McKee. That surprised me. I mean, McKee last week he was kind of dominated by yeah. Ryder. Yes. And I'm like, okay, you're going to Gallagher against Nick, who is so good on top. He's good at everywhere, right? If, I thought that would be like a major. If you had heard pitching any three two over McKee. That that if you had if you had heard somebody predict that result in like September, would that have would that have surprised you at that point, or is it because last would, week he looked so bad? No, that would totally surprise me. Really? Absolutely. Yes. I I feel like I don't know, but you know, McKee, he's not McKee's McKee is is salty. He's I mean he's he's capable of of I think hanging with a lot of these guys, but man, I don't know. I don't I don't know that. Um, he this. He lost nine three to Tropy. I know you're saying in September, but he lost eight fourteen to eight to Malik last year. Yeah, right. Yeah, five one to Mackle, ten four to Ryan Milhoff. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's all right. All right, the evidence is mounting. It's mounting. It's it's like maybe if you go back to like high school, like okay, in two years he's gonna hold yeah. Mickey uh, Pat, uh, pitching any to like three two. Be like okay, yeah, sure maybe, mm-hmm. but no. That, that, yeah, that, that is surprising me. That is surprising. But he won. Pitching, he does have like a ton of ways to score. He's he's really good on yeah. top, and and you know. Well, I just figured top. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe even if McKee did great on his feet, like he's just gonna get on top, and yeah, he's so good at getting the wrist, and that's it. So, uh, Whitcraft gets a pin over Brent Jones. Bobby Stevenson's wrestling heavyweight now. Yep. Nothing really. This is like maybe the least juicy yeah. Oklahoma I mean, State Minnesota duel ever. You know the Owen Webster win over Montalvo maybe yeah. a little little bit surprising. Not not super surprising, but um, yeah, that I don't know. They they need Joseph Smith and they need Caden G Feller in their lineup. They will be a lot better if they can do that. Yeah, if those guys find their way in there, they're gonna be a lot tougher. Because right now they're, they're they're a trophy potential team, but right now they're like tenth or eleventh because. They're just not getting production out of enough weight classes. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, man, that's that's a team that. Yeah, you're right. That's not even we're not even really talking about right now in that no. in that trophy race, and they they very much could be in there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, uh, any other 
things to discuss. Uh, so, oh, FRL scheduling uh, update. We will have the show tomorrow. We will not have it on Thursday. Because um, we'll be at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes, we will. We'll be all live on location mm-hmm. for NBC, though. Mm-hmm. Just uh, do a little wrestling talk. So we're going to be doing that uh, just two times this week, and then we'll be back regularly scheduled. And this is a pretty good weekend of, of wrestling, actually. Just sometimes Thanksgiving weekend, like I feel like it doesn't have much action on it. Yeah. But we've got Wisconsin-Iowa is happening this weekend. And also um, Cornell... Ohio State live on float this mm-hmm. weekend. So that's some pretty juicy stuff going on. Yeah. Surprisingly. Um, and then it's CKLV week. Yeah. After that, which is going to be, you know, it, every single year it turns the NCAA season on its head because something crazy happens every single time. Okay. So why don't we, uh, 8.55 deep in the heart of Texas, why don't we get to some questions from friends? Let's do it. We have so many friends. They're all online. Very few in person, but we'll take them how we can get them. That's, yeah. Andrew Finn at Finn Stefani. Is this the year the Norfleet prophecy is finally fulfilled? Well, I will say yes. And by fulfilled, I think he can place. But I've thought that every year, and it hasn't happened, so. But it, yeah, it, if you're just reading, his, I love him at 97. If you're just reading his results, in a, you know, on a on a screen, don't do that. Don't yeah, don't do that. But if you watch, watch the him. guy wrestle a wrestling match, yes, he he looks like he he looks unbelievable. And then factor in that like 197 is also a weight class that's so up in the air. Tanner Sloan, number four in the country, got knocked off this week, right? Yeah. So to think about you know a guy like Norfleet, can he can he put together a couple wins like that. I don't know. He looked so good this week. Um, I know Connell hasn't yeah. looked great. Connell has not been off to a good start uh, of the, for the season, but he he looked so good. Yeah. Running through that double leg multiple times was was just like very aesthetically pleasing. Wow. Like let me let me watch that over and over. Let's and over. do it. Okay. I like this one. This may take a second. Pick one current top three ranked wrestler that will DMP at NCAAs. Ouch. Oof. Okay, well, I'm, I happen to be on 149. Pat Lugo is ranked third. Um, he may be up there. Man. So I'll just really quickly give the top three at each weight. Spencer Lee, Jack Mueller, Sebastian Rivera. No way. I don't see any of those guys not placing. 33, Seth Gross, Austin DeSanto, RBY. As they're, good. They I feel like they're going to place. Yeah. Still not sold on this gross guy. Uh, Pletcher, Demas, Lee. You could maybe say, what could Demas just like totally have a bad tournament? I don't know. Seeing him beat Chad Red at Journeyman, I I, I think he's I think he's he's pretty sound. Yeah. This is hard. This is gonna be tough. <clears throat> I mean, they're ranked top three. They're going to be good. One forty nine is interesting because O'Connor, Mahler, Lugo. I feel given one forty nines craziness there, there could be some some fire there i'll say i'll say lugo maybe is my leader at the clubhouse but yeah and i mean how how healthy is o'connor after a, i don't know what a, how yeah. broken arm impacts your ability to wrestle I know, but it's it very rare like it someone breaks an arm yeah 157 it's better than a knee 157 highly car young i don't really see i it. think i know the answer what i think it's gable stevenson okay does that guy wrestle that's okay that may be a very good one Chinzo, Marinelli, Wick, no way. Those guys are placing. Um, Hall, Cutler, Kimmer, no. Those guys are placing. 84. Zahid, Trent, Lou. Ooh. 
I could see a scenario where the one of the two or threes don't. Be yep. Trent or Lou. I mean, just if we could make a fake NCAA bracket right now mm-hmm. and you look at who Trent or Lou will have in the second or third round, yeah. they're going to be losable matches. I mean, this weight like, is deep. Venz, like Venz as a nine, like it, it, or currently he's ninth, right? If he's a nine seed, um, that's not great for him. But if he loses another match and he drops to a 10 and you got Venz at the 10 and like Trent at the two, it, it wouldn't be crazy, no. right? For Venz to win that match or, yeah. Of course so. not. So I like, I like those two for just, that's more of respect to the weight and how good it is. And I think those got the differences between Trent and Lou in the field are just not that big. <sighs> okay. Oh, uh, here's another one. 97. More Pat Brucky, Jacob Holschlag. Holschlag's Holsch- been hurt. Holschlag's hurt. So, so that, but it sounds like it's short term, but even still, you know, I, yeah, that could be, that, that could be a, could be, could be a one to circle potentially. Kassar, Gable, Thor. Trent Hilger. Yeah, I guess Gable, huh? Mm-hmm. I'll say Gable. I don't, I don't. At some point, we need to take him out of the rankings. And at some point, maybe like next week. Yeah. Hilger, man, Hilger looked good again uh, against Orndorff, although it was in you know, overtime again. So those two and, guys are. And thinking about this team race again, if, yeah. what if Trent makes the finals? That's not audacious. No. If, if Gross wins, Trent Hilger in the finals, Evan Wick top three. Now, where are the other points coming from? It's going to get a little tougher, right? Because, I mean, Cole Martin, maybe. What? Well, I mean, if all you need is three, 50-something points to get third place, that might those three might be enough. Yeah. That, Gross could be 23 to 25 points. Yeah. Hilger could be 18. There's right there. You're at 40. You get 10 from Wick. Yeah, right there. That would have you in the mix. Um, and they have some other guys, but those are those mm-hmm. would be the – their big point score. So, hey, great question. That was from uh, at Rye Asks FRL. Thanks, Rye. Very good question. Um, and we'll go back to Rye. Who overreacts to single matches more, Penn State fans or Iowa fans? This Neck is, and neck. It's, it's, it's close. Basically, any good team has, uh, has this. So it's basically the correlation from overreaction is normally how quality your program is. Mm-hmm. So... I'd say both sky high, dude. Big, big overreactors. I think like, uh, like for Penn State, they were they are like pull Beard's red shirt right now, get him out in the lineup. I think that's that is a tremendous overreaction. It's also I think I mean everybody who who listens to this show, of course, very knowledgeable, very very plugged in. Yes, the most. But um, I mean you like to be a thriving program you kind of need a critical mass of like uninformed knuckleheads to just like follow you to like like you without knowing really anything right yes. like you you like you have a big enough presence that people want you to win and, and want you to be good including people that like don't do a lot of like their homework about like who's on the team and how good they are and all that kind of stuff so in some ways i think that, that comes with the territory to have fans that uh that that aren't like all the way informed and i i think it's a good it's a good sign although it's kind of annoying sometimes yeah bailey brown <clears throat> at dan's brita filter on january 31st are we all going to underestimate penn state once again like 2018 versus ohio state or is iowa at going to actually win man i don't know well the one thing that was at rec hall which is uh, that's a trump card for for Penn State that matters a lot. This mm-hmm. is at Iowa. I think it's going to be tough for them to win. They're going to need they're going to need like they're going to need to win at forty nine, thirty three, uh, at their and thirty three, 
But RBY goes to Carver and beats DeSanto. That that will surprise me. You know Spencer's getting five or six. Yep. Right. Um, but you know seventy. Oh gosh, seventy four. Kimmer versus uh, versus Hall. I can't wait for that. I feel like he looks so good right now. He, so good. He didn't he, like Pat. Pat Downey does not like how he finishes his leg attacks, though. Really? Yeah. He was. He called it out. I'll, I'll pull up the tweet while you go. He looked. He just. He didn't take a second off in the match. He just. He was. He was moving forward the whole time and was trying to score the whole time. He looked incredibly strong and like very, very well sized for the weight class. I. I just. I was so impressed with Kimmer. He just looked. He looked like like unstoppable, and I know that. Um, I mean, Marcus Coleman's solid. He's, solid. he's a solid guy. Yeah, he's so good. He's not. He's not Mark Hall by any means, but like, man, I. I was very impressed. Yeah, Pat said that Kimmer crackdown finish is going to get him jacked up against someone who knows how to wrestle. Hashtag IMO. All right. he, he would know better than me, but Tom Brands would know better than him. So That's true. I think Michael Kimmer's fine. I think Kimmer looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's going to be a crazy duel. we got to do a, a full-on breakdown here at some point. Yes. I, I can't really wait much longer. I know it's November, but that's where my, my head's at. I, mm-hmm. booked, I booked my plane ticket for that match already. Okay, next up, um, let me see what other. Other than Lamont versus Seth Gross, what predictions have you and Bray been the most wrong about this year? Wait, 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 wait. Now hold wait. on. I, you you act like Brian Walters. One, Derek Span. Google it. Two, it's not like we picked him to lose. Wait, I I picked him. I picked the over on points. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, it was Nomad It was nine. Nomad. Come on. Okay, so one, Brian, apologize, Brian. He doesn't accept it. I, forget, wow. I do not accept. Yep. <laughs> I was about to forgive <laughs> you. about you, to forgive, but I had a... Rookie, rookie mistake. You <laughs> yeah. thought better of it. Thought better. No forgiveness. Embrace the pettiness. No, so, I mean, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I guess Gross is going to be the, the bonus point monster again, right? But... The Derek Spann thing freaked me out a little bit. I was like, "What? What is this?" But I guess he's eating more. And so. well, not only that, but like Taylor Lamont. I mean, yeah, watching Taylor Lamont wrestle Ethan Lezak at CKLV and like not get turned and just like make it a really close match and win that match. That's what for me made me wonder how close he could keep it with Gross. He could um, not stand in front of him. Yeah, Seth was just like forward, forward. Like he, it was like Lamont. Is a hard wrestler. And yeah, Gross just chased him around the mat. Yeah, it was man it, that guy. I mean, you know, I I said Gross Gross is my Hodge pick this year, and I I'm sticking with it. Uh, so yeah, I I will be. Listen, I'm gonna have way bigger whiffs than predicting Seth Gross to win by a small margin of points. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. I'm gonna I'm gonna top that one in no time flat. But as far as the question, uh, what other what other prediction have have oh, we yeah, been most actual. wrong about this year? Um, hmm. I don't know. That's good. Yeah. That's Not that good. I really think I haven't been wrong about a lot of things. I'm sure I have. It's just uh, I. I think I. Well, I mean, I don't know about most wrong, but the one that comes to mind is I. I thought that Darmstadt tricks were going to be too tricky for for Hydley, and they just weren't. Like, they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let me th- actually. I should think about that. I'm sure there's something. I'm sure you guys can't wait to remind me of the things I've been wrong about already. This Just have year, a full remorse episode. Yes, and apologies. And that would that would be great. That'd be so fun. If Shakur can't go this year or is ineffective, any chance we see Staraki or Brooks? If he can't go, sure. But I just think there's no. I mean, if 
what if Mark Hall can't go? What if he hits it? I mean, that's basically what you're asking. I mean, I think he's going to be back and healthy, and that's the plan for him. We haven't even talked about Russia. Those, those, those cheaters. They cheat. Listen, mm-hmm. if there's one thing we know about Russia: love to cheat. Big part of their thing. Uh, Wada and, and IOC. They're once again threatening to hold Russia out and maybe make it, make them compete under a neutral flag or whatever. Yeah. Which to me, I don't know what that really helps. Because uh, yeah, I, I was talking with Andrew Spay about this yesterday because I had the same kind of initial reaction, like oh, this is a pretend punishment, um, with, with that doesn't really impact anything. And uh, Spay pointed out a couple things that were interesting, and and if he's on tomorrow, he can probably shed a little more light on this. But there are some actual impacts to the federation. So um, Russia would be unable to like host world level events and they're I think uh, scheduled to host a couple age level world championships in the Mm -hmm. coming years and so that it might uh, prevent them from being able to do that also it probably what it prevents their Olympic committee from like receiving funding from the IOC or from you know so there's some dollars that are attached to it Uh, but I agree it does feel it, it feels one like a little bit of a hollow penalty and two like Russia's going to figure out a way around like whatever penalty the IOC tries to impose so i i'm kind of like at the you know at the position where i feel like let's wait and see what actually happens here but uh but there could be there could be some actual stakes attached to this to this ban what is the point of russian cheating they want to be able to go to the worlds and olympics they want to send yeah. russians to the world and olympic championships and win medals for their country but if they can't win it for their country they're still going to win them and they're still going to be russians yeah so that the whole point of their program is to get their guys and gals to the thing and win right for for that reason i i don't think it's an adequate punishment i think they're it's not enough right and i think they clearly are not going to learn their lesson i mean they did look they were like out of the olympics in 2016 and they Mm -hmm. you know they they Ended up just having the Paralympic team um, suspended. Man, which way to throw wow. that? <laughs> Anyways, they, um, yeah, I I think the the kind of the thing for me about this ban that that I have a little bit of a problem with is I I get the logic of if if the athletes if there are clean athletes they should be able to compete. I understand that logic. Um, the thing that's a problem for me is why would they be clean? Well, I mean, if they're if they're sort of if the, if if the idea is that it's a state sponsored doping program, yeah, and so if an athlete can kind of represent not that not that nation, not that nation state, but represent themselves individually, then maybe they're like detached from that state sponsored doping. But the problem that I have is Russia is still controlling like who would qualify for the Olympic athlete for Russia representation, even if they're not officially competing under the flag of Russia. Like Russia. Their They're wrestling federation yeah. still determines who goes. They're going to have nationals, and they're either going to use that as the results, or they're going to pick who they want. And they still determine who goes. They still still determine who goes to the qualifying events. They like the Russian federation still has their hand in like who goes. So it's it's still very much a representation of that country. So that's the part where I feel like um, this ban definitely does not solve for the problem of. Team Russia being there, right? No, I mean, th- look at the the lengths they go through to cheat, and you know the test. We're always listen. I'm sure we're gonna every couple of years we're gonna hit Tamezov for another failed test, and all of these guys. It, the tests are just behind, right? So they're mm-hmm. here's what's gonna happen. 
they're going to get to go. They're going to test clean now. And in three to four years, when the testing catches up to the thing they're doing, these guys will and gals will be outed as cheaters. Yeah. Right? That's Well, and the, the, re- the reason for the ban, like for the ex- sort of extension of the ban, uh, is that when they had the ban um, back in 2018 for the Winter Olympics, one of the sort of repercussions was, okay, you have to now as a country, Russia, you have to comply. You have to do all these like medical like mm-hmm. tests and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, you know, faking those documents. Like no, they, they, they just kept doing it. Like, they only cheat. Yeah. So they cannot help themselves. Yeah. It's, you're they, right. They're going to, they're going to probably keep doing no, that. No, no Russia. I mean, well, there's all, there's no other way. Yeah. As a, you know, as a wrestling fan, like I'm like, yeah, I, de- I definitely want those guys in there. Yeah. But, but of course. so of course. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. At the same time, no. You know what? Jordan said it best. I, mean, I want to compete against other clean guys. Yeah. You know? That I, might uh, – yeah, I know he does, but that might that might be – like probably, probably three or four of the guys Jordan wrestled at Worlds this year were not clean. And just probability-wise. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Who knows? Okay, so that's Russia. Um, all right. Any other questions before we go? Oh, we got quite a few. Was Caleb Young overrated or David Carr very underrated? Neither is true. I, yeah, I, David Carr was properly rated. He was ranked where we where he had to be ranked, with the caveat that everyone knows this is a guy that could be top three or four. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Young is super good, and he lost a, a really close match to a really good guy. Um, so yeah, no, I think if everything was fine, Caleb wrestled fine, Carr wrestled great, and that's that. Um, I think that's it. I think I'm done. I think we've done. I think we nailed this show. Nine twelve, deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, Caleb, we are ready to go. We thank you guys so much for listening to 432 episodes of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place. I think we'll have Andrew Spay on the horn. That'll be nice. And on the horn, I mean like 10 feet that way sitting at the table he will answer for his ranking sins he cannot hide that's right and we're going to bring the heat against him nomad's not here will he send us some tips maybe maybe not uh if not we'll just um get them ourselves now we'll be talking a lot about i think we have to start getting into cklv talk Mm -hmm. we got to get into wisconsin versus iowa we have to discuss uh cornell ohio state so there will be ton to preview for the upcoming weekend, and then uh, maybe some Thanksgiving tips and tricks from from David and I. That's one of my favorite topics of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Check out the updated D-Run rankings if you haven't already. Iowa is now ranked number one. Holy cow, this is really happening. Uh, Thanks so much. See you next time.